Hey everybody, welcome back to the Elon Musk podcast. This is a show where we discuss the critical crossroads that shape SpaceX, Tesla, X, The Boring Company, and Neuralink. And I'm your host, Will Walden. If you want uninterrupted episodes of the Elon Musk podcast, please go to clubelon.supercast.com to find out how. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. There's a link in the show notes. Mr. Beast, who's a massive YouTuber, recently uploaded a video directly to X, Elon Musk's social media platform, formerly known as Twitter. Now, this is a huge move since Mr. Beast is primarily known for his YouTube presence. However, this upload has sparked controversy as users of X reported that Mr. Beast's video is appearing in their feeds as an unlabeled ad multiple times a day. Now, this episode will unravel the layers of this issue and its implications for the platform and digital advertising norms. So users have noticed that Mr. Beast's video lacks the typical indicators of an advertisement on X, such as the timestamp or a, quote, ad label. This absence has led to confusion and questions about the transparency of X's advertising practices, and the issue highlights a broader concern regarding the labeling and identification of sponsored content on social media platforms. Mr. Beast, whose real name is Jimmy Donaldson, expressed curiosity about the potential ad revenue from X. His decision to upload the video on X was framed as a kind of a test to explore new revenue streams, diverging from his usual YouTube-focused strategy. Now, the lack of clear labeling on Mr. Beast's video post has raised eyebrows. Some users have shared their experiences, noting the repeated appearance of the video in their feeds without the usual ad identifiers. The situation aligns with reports of X displaying unlabeled ads since September of last year a development that has caught the attention of ad tech watchdogs and regulators. Now, the organization, quote, Check My Ads, filed a complaint with the FTC highlighting concerns about X's transparency with ad labeling. This points to increasing scrutiny over how social media platforms manage and disclose advertising content, which is a key issue in the digital advertising industry. An employee of X, in a discussion with Ryan Broderick of the Garage Day newsletter, suggested that the presence of a pre-roll video ad before Mr. Beast's video serves as sufficient disclosure. However, this explanation has been met with skepticism as it conflates different types of advertisements, potentially muddying the waters of advertising transparency. Now, intriguingly, older videos on the X app show Mr. Beast's posts with a promoted label indicating it's an ad. This inconsistency raises questions about how X's advertising mechanisms function and how they're perceived by different segments of its user base. The situation suggests that X might be artificially boosting Mr. Beast's video views through these unlabeled ads. This action, intentional or not, 
affects the platform's credibility and the authenticity of content reach. And Elon Musk's strategy for X highly emphasizes video content. The platform's recent signings of high-profile figures for exclusive video deals underscore this focus. And Musk's direct engagement with creators like MrBeast reveals his active role in shaping the platform's content landscape. But despite initial reluctance, setting production costs and fair compensation concerns, Mr. Beast was persuaded by Elon to experiment with uploading content on X. This could signal a significant shift in content distribution strategies for high-profile creators like Mr. Beast. Now, if Mr. Beast's venture on X proves financially successful, it can mark a major win for Musk, potentially attracting more top creators to the platform and bolstering its multimedia strategy. And there's a lack of clarity around how X counts views on its platforms, especially after the removal of the public video view count feature. This obscurity makes it challenging to gauge the true reach and engagement of video content on X. Mr. Beast has engaged with his followers in guessing the potential earnings from X's ad revenue share program. However, the platform's complex monetization rules, which favor certain types of users and content, make it difficult to predict the actual earnings. And reports suggest that X's creator monetization program is somewhat arbitrary, lacking a transparent and predictable payment structure. This unpredictability contrasts sharply with more established platforms like YouTube, where views are more directly correlated with earnings. Now, Elon Musk's promotion of Mr. Beast's video to his millions of followers adds another layer to the narrative, indicating his personal involvement in content creation and curation and promotion on X, possibly giving Mr. Beast's video millions of views of a boost. This outcome will not only reveal the platform's potential for content creators, but also will shed some light on its advertising and monetization strategies. And as platforms like X the need for transparency and fair practices become increasingly crucial. Whether X's approach with Mr. Beast video marks a strategic shift or a one-off experiment remains to be seen. The World Economic Forum in Davos this year focused heavily on the emerging influence of artificial intelligence in various sectors. World leaders, top executives, and tech pioneers converged to explore the theme of Quote, rebuilding trust amidst the backdrop of geopolitical changes and the advent of a new AI era. Tech giants such as AWS, C3.ai, Infosys, IBM, and others grabbed attention with their prominent presence along the Davos promenade. OpenAI's CEO Sam Altman was among the notable speakers, highlighting the tech industry's growing influence in global discussions. Throughout the forum, AI was a central topic. In over 20 conversations, insights revealed the widespread integration of AI in various business processes. Companies showcased their AI solutions, indicating a broad adoption of the technology across industries. Now, Rob Goldstein from BlackRock discussed the implementation of AI co-pilots for drafting documents, reflecting a trend in AI assistance and productivity. Similarly, Jason Garzadas of Deloit US and Oliver Wyman Group have adopted AI tools like Lend AI demonstrating the technology's capability to save significant time for users. Now, a key insight from discussions was the differentiation between automating tasks and replacing jobs. AI is seen as a tool for automating specific tasks within a job, not necessarily replacing the entire job, thus potentially enhancing efficiency in the workplace. Now, Microsoft and Automation Anywhere reported substantial savings in customer service operations 
through their AI implementations. Now, these examples show that AI's potential for increasing efficiency and reducing costs is vital in future business operations. And despite the benefits, there is a palpable concern about AI leading to job losses. This concern is mirrored in surveys where a significant portion of executives and CEOs anticipate job replacement as a consequence of AI adoption in businesses. And the integration of AI necessitates a focus on reskilling the workforce for tasks that AI cannot replace. Companies like Automation Anywhere have transitioned their staff to new roles, highlighting the importance of adaptability and continuous learning in the AI age. In the concept of a fluid workforce, adaptable to the changing demands of AI-driven operations was heavily emphasized. This shift suggests a future where job roles are more dynamic and less narrowly defined. And 2024 is poised to be a year where AI moves from pilot studies to full-scale operational integration in businesses. Challenge lies in scaling these AI solutions from specific use cases to much broader applications. And the effectiveness of AI tools depends on their specific applications and training on bespoke data sets. Examples like McKinsey's AI tool, trained on its own rich data, show the potential of customized AI solutions for very specific corporate needs. And the financial and human capital investments required for AI projects pose a challenge, especially considering that not all AI initiatives guarantee a positive return on investment. Now, the concept of AI as an augmentation tool rather than a replacement for human workers emerges as a key theme here. This perspective envisions AI taking over mundane tasks, allowing humans to focus on high-level work. And futuristic predictions like AI acting as entrepreneurs or project managers by 2030 indicate the rapidly advancing capabilities of AI. This evolution could fundamentally alter economic structures and job roles. And in gaming, AI has transitioned from being an aid to human players to outperforming them. In health, AI chatbots are perceived as more empathetic than medical professionals sometimes, challenging our notions of empathy as a uniquely human trait. Now, the influence of AI, often overestimated in the short term and underestimated in the long term, suggests that its true impact will unfold over time. This sentiment echoes the broader theme of this forum, where the transformative potential of AI was both celebrated, also scrutinized. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the Davos Forum this year marked a pretty big milestone in the integration and discussion of AI across various sectors, from enhancing business processes to reshaping job roles. And the conversations at Davos uh, highlighted both the opportunities and the challenges presented by AI. And the impact of AI will continue to shape the global economic and social landscape, calling for a more balanced approach to harnessing its potential while also addressing its challenges. Tesla has recently made a significant step with their full self-driving beta version 12.1.2. This update, which is now available to a group of non-employee Tesla owners, represents a new milestone in the evolution of the ADAS, or the Advanced Driver System. Um, the update is particularly notable for integrating an end-to-end -end neural network. It's brand new. A shift from the previous reliance on explicit C++ coding. 
this neural network trained on a vast collection of video clips is expected to enhance the system's ability to navigate complex driving scenarios. And the anticipation for this has been building for months, culminating in the release of version 12.1.2. And early feedback from users indicates a more intuitive and human-like driving experience. However, there's a need to manage expectations. While this release marks some progress, it doesn't signify the achievement of level four or even level three autonomy. Nonetheless, the transition to AI for vehicle control is seen as a crucial development akin to Tesla's initial move to AI for its autopilot system. Now, a standout improvement in FSD beta 12.1.2 is its performance in urban driving scenarios. Users have noted smoother transitions and quicker response time, contributing to a more comfortable and natural driving experience. This advancement is attributed to the shift from engineer-written code, people code, to training the vehicle control system on videos of actual humans driving. An interesting addition in FSD Beta 12.1.2 is the autonomous pullover feature. Demonstrated by Elon Musk, this functionality allows the vehicle to autonomously move to the side of the road at the end of a drive rather than just stopping. This feature exemplifies the practical enhancements being made to Tesla's ADAS. And their approach to the release notes for this significant update is surprisingly small. Unlike previously versions where release notes were extensive and technical, FSD Beta 12.1.2 comes with a single sentence. FSD Beta version 12 upgrades the city streets and driving stack to a single end-to-end -end neural network trained on millions of video clips, replacing over 300,000 lines of explicit C++ code. Now, this brief statement shows that they're moving away from people and moving towards AI for all of their driver assists. Now, the full impact of the FSD beta 12.1.2 will become clearer as more Tesla owners receive the update and share their experiences. It's particularly interesting, though, to observe how the system performs under various driving conditions, including heavy precipitation, an area where Elon Musk previously acknowledged needed some development. Now, the rollout of this update is expected to be gradual and cautious, with many Tesla owners potentially waiting months for access. Tesla is likely to use this release to collect user feedback and aims to address issues and enhance the system through subsequent updates. While Tesla continues to push the boundaries of FSD technology, it's important to remember that the software is still a beta and achieving full autonomy is very complex. It's incremental and it requires extensive testing and validation. Each update, like version 12.1.2, represents a step forward in Tesla's goal of achieving fully autonomous vehicles. And the Tesla's community reaction to FSD beta 12.1.2 has been generally positive, with many testers reportedly showing a noticeable improvement in driving experience. Reports of smoother driving, fewer interventions, and an absence of awkward moments are common, suggesting a significant leap in the system's capabilities. One of the more crucial aspects under scrutiny is the system's performance in challenging weather conditions, specifically heavy precipitation. Musk had previously indicated that this was an area requiring additional training, and observations so far of how this handles will be pivotal in assessing its overall effectiveness in the future. Now, Musk's vision for FSD involves moving beyond the beta phase, an objective he has expressed in the past. And the removal of the beta label would mark a significant milestone in the journey towards full autonomy, a goal that Tesla has been steadily working towards for years. And the release of this latest beta 
has been met with a pretty positive response, like we said before, not just with the drivers, but with the stock of Tesla. However, the exact number of customers receiving this update remains unclear right now. And it looks like Tesla is having a bump in their stock. Tesla CEO uh, has been very vocal about the improvements of this one. It's set to bring often describing upcoming releases as transformative. And despite this enthusiasm, it's crucial to note that as of now, full self-driving is not fully autonomous, but rather an advanced driver assistance system. As Tesla pushes the boundaries of autonomous driving, safety remains a paramount concern. Users under this new beta and other versions are reminded of the importance of remaining alert and keeping your hands on the wheel and take control of the vehicle at any time that something goes wrong. The software, despite all of its advancements, is not a substitute for an active person behind the wheel. Now, looking ahead, Tesla's trajectory in the realm of autonomous driving is poised to be influential. The transition from explicit coding to an end-to-end -end neural network approach could be a huge deal for the trends of the industry. And the success of this FSD beta and subsequent versions will likely inform future developments in autonomous vehicle technology for all manufacturers. Tesla's approach of involving its customer base in the beta testing of FSD is unique, though. The strategy not only provides valuable real-world data, but also creates a sense of community involvement in the development process. User feedback is integral to refining the system and having millions of people test your software and addressing these real-world challenges is a huge game-changer for Tesla. Now, the advancements that Tesla has of the autonomous driving technology is not occurring in isolation. They're setting benchmarks and challenging other players in the automotive industry to innovate and develop their own autonomous driving solutions. The impact of Tesla's FSD beta versions extends beyond Tesla and beyond the whole company, influencing the direction of the entire industry. Just recently, Elon Musk had visited Auschwitz, a former Nazi death camp. His visit comes amidst the participation in a symposium addressing the rise of anti-Semitism. Now, this visit is particularly notable due to Musk's recent entanglement in debates over anti-Semitic remarks and content on his social media platform X. And the tour of Auschwitz is not just a simple tour. It's loaded with symbolic and educational importance. He laid a wreath on the death wall where thousands of Jewish prisoners were executed. And it's a powerful gesture. He was followed by a rabbi through this, emphasizing the importance of such a visit by a high-profile individual like Elon. And the rabbi shows that the influence of public figures, the influence of public figures can raise awareness about historical atrocities and the dangers of hatred. Now, Musk's journey to Poland is closely tied to the participation in a symposium aimed at combating the rise of anti-Semitism. This engagement indicates Musk's growing involvement in social issues, especially following his controversial agreement with an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory on X. The symposium organized by European Jewish Association, or the EJA, serves as a platform for Musk to address these issues head-on. Now, Auschwitz stands as a chilling reminder of the horrors of the Holocaust. Over a million people, most of them Jewish, were killed in the camp. Musk's visit, which included the execution wall, gas chambers, and the crematorium, was a somber reminder of these atrocities. And this visit shows the importance of remembering and understanding this dark chapter in human history. Now, during the visit, Musk paid his respects by placing flowers for the victims. His actions demonstrate a personal acknowledgement and reflection on the Holocaust's devastating impact. This visit was also a precursor to his expected personal statement on online hate speech, a topic relevant to his role as a tech entrepreneur and leader. 
Musk's visit follows his trip to Israel last year, highlighting his growing engagement with Jewish history and anti-Semitism. This visit to Auschwitz occurs in a climate where anti-Semitic acts are on the rise globally. Now, making his actions a statement at the symposium even more pertinent than ever. Now, there's been a worrying increase in anti-Semitic incidents worldwide, notably in Europe and the United States. This includes violent attacks and the perpetuation of hate speech, both online and offline. And the spike in anti-Semitism adds urgency to the discussions at the symposium and places Musk's visit in a broader context of global concern. Musk's involvement in the debate over anti-Semitism gained attention after his sharing of an anti-Semitic comment on X. A subsequent apology and reflections on the incident reveal his evolving understanding of the impact of his platform and the responsibilities that come with running it. Now, the controversy surrounding X highlights the challenges social media platforms face in moderating content. Musk's admission of naivete regarding the extent of anti-Semitism is an important acknowledgement of the role these platforms can play in either curbing or facilitating hate speech. And Musk's statement that he was quite sorry for his early remarks shows a personal journey that intersects with his professional responsibilities. His visit to Auschwitz can be seen as part of a broader effort to address these issues more effectively and also more responsibly. The allegations of anti-Semitic content on X and the subsequent fallout with advertisers show that the challenges that Musk faces in managing the platform are real. These issues have led to legal battles and a push for more effective moderation against hate speech. Since taking control of X, Musk has implemented several changes, sparking concerns about the platform's vulnerability to hate speech. His approach to these changes reflects his views on free speech and the balance between moderation and expression. Now, the symposium in Poland that Musk is participating in will include a visit to the Auschwitz Memorial. This event represents an opportunity for Musk and other delegates to further discuss and address the issues of anti-Semitism and online hate speech. Musk's admission of being naive about anti-Semitism and his personal connections to the Jewish community provide insight into his perspective on these issues. His comments at the conference, along with his visit to Auschwitz, signal a more engaged and reflective approach to understanding and combating anti-Semitism. Musk's remarks about the level of anti-Semitism content on X and his commitment to reducing it highlight the ongoing struggle against online hate speech. His acknowledgement of the platform's limitations and challenges in this area is an important part of the broader discussion of how social media can combat hate speech. Musk's history of controversial statements and his direct, unfiltered communication style have often sparked debate. His approach to leadership and public engagement, particularly on social media, has been both criticized and praised for its transparency and candor. Musk's visit to Auschwitz, along with his participation in the anti-Semitism symposium, marks a significant moment in his personal and professional life. He's growing aware and responsible towards more social issues, particularly those related to hate speech and discrimination. There's a link in the show notes. The European Space Agency's Mars Express Orbiter has potentially identified enormous ice water deposits beneath the Martian surface. Located at the red planet's equator, these deposits are estimated to be about 3.7 kilometers thick. And if melted, they could cover Mars with a water layer approximately 2 meters deep or fill Earth's Red Sea. This revelation is reshaping our perception of Mars, suggesting a past where glaciers, lakes, and river channels were prevalent. Now, Colin Wilson, who is a project scientist at ESA, highlighted the significance of this. He stated, We've seen evidence of glaciers, extinct glaciers which are no longer there, but also some glaciers covered with dust. 
this discovery shows that the abundance of water on ancient Mars is hinting at a landscape dramatically different from the arid planet that we see today. And Mars Express first confirmed the presence of ice on Mars in 2004. The discovery of these deposits came in 2007, but their composition was unclear at the time. There were thought to be accumulations of dust, volcanic ash, or sediment. NASA in 2015 also observed what appeared to be streams of salty water on Mars, indicating the planet's dynamic nature. Now, Jim Green, who's NASA's director of planetary science, said that the evolution of Mars and the understanding of it is very important. He said, today we're revolutionizing our understanding of this planet. Our rovers are finding that there's a lot more humidity in the air than we ever imagined. Now, the location of these ice deposits at Mars equator rather than the poles has surprised scientists. Wilson remarked on the unusual nature of this finding, comparing its oddity to having a polar ice cap at Earth's equator. This unexpected location could have significant implications for future human missions to Mars as well. And despite the excitement, Wilson pointed out practical challenges for exploration in the future. The average temperature on Mars, ranging from 20 Celsius to negative 153 Celsius, make the equator ice a potentially more accessible water source for human missions. However, the ice buried under a thick dust layer might not be easily reachable for immediate exploration needs. The Mars Express probe, which launched in June of 2003 and reached Mars in December of 2003, has been studying the Red Planet for over two decades. Its recent findings at the uh, MFF, the uh, Fosse Formation, um, provided deeper insights into the Martian surface and its history. Now, the, the Medusa Fosse Formation, that's a difficult one to say, over 15 years ago, Mars Express studied that, identifying massive deposits up to 2.5 kilometers deep. Initial observations were inconclusive about the composition of these deposits, and Thomas Waters of the Smithsonian Institution, lead author of both the initial and recent studies, now confirms these deposits are thicker than previously thought, extending up to 3.7 kilometers thick. The MMF, characterized by wind-sculpted features, is one of Mars' most extensive deposits. The new data suggests that these features are not just accumulations of dust volcanic ash, but include significant layers of ice, covered by a protective layer of dust or ash. Now, Andrea Cicchetti of the National Institute of Astrophysics, Italy, explains that the new data uh, from radar from the Mars Express Marsis instrument was crucial in identifying the icy nature of the MFF. The low density and radar transparency of these deposits are consistent with ice, challenging previous assumptions. Now, this discovery indicates that the massive stores of ice near Mars equator must have formed during a difficult and different climate epoch. The existence of such extensive ice deposits changes our understanding of Mars' climate history, suggesting a past where water was more abundant. Wilson notes that while this discovery is exciting, it also raises many more questions. Understanding the age of these ice deposits and Mars conditions at that time remain a challenge. Confirming the presence of water ice in the MFF would significantly alter our comprehension of Mars' climatic past. The location and extent of these icy deposits are crucial for planning future human missions to Mars. Now, human missions in particular will benefit from the availability of water ice near the equator. However, the thick dust covering these deposits poses a pretty thick barrier to immediate exploration. One specific area, 
Imidius dorsum is expected to contain the thickest ice-rich deposits within the MFF. Understanding and mapping these deposits are key to future explorations and scientific inquiries. While Mars Express maps deep water ice, other missions like the TGO equipped with the FRIEND instrument, F-R-E-N-D, provide insights into near-surface water. These collaborative efforts are enhancing our knowledge of Mars, its history, and the potential for future exploration. Now, ESA's Mars Express orbiter has made a groundbreaking discovery now of the potential ice water deposits at Mars Equator. These findings challenges our understanding of Mars climate history and opens new possibilities for human exploration. And despite the challenges in accessing these ice deposits, the information gathered is invaluable in piecing together the complex story of Mars and its evolution. Some really interesting things are happening down at Brownsville, Boca Chica, Starbase, Texas area. Now, that's where SpaceX is building the world's largest rocket, the Starship. It's around 400 feet tall and is more powerful than any rocket that's ever flown. Now, they're building this rocket, and that's very interesting. But there are things that are happening behind the scenes that are almost as interesting as the rocket itself. And it's kind of weird because you don't really hear about this stuff that much. But it's one of the most important aspects of delivering a rocket to space, and that's the infrastructure. How do they build a rocket? It's the machine that builds the machine, as Elon Musk would say. And how do they do that? Well, they have to work with local governments, and they have to work with the land that they have to build the machines on. Now, just recently, SpaceX and the city of Brownsville worked together, came up with a resolution to rename the Boca Chica area where Starbase is, which is where they're building this giant rocket, they want to rename it to Starbase. Straight up Starbase. Boca Chica, it will be known as Boca Chica going forward. Um, it, you know, if they want to reference it, they can call it Boca Chica or they can just call it Starbase. And this is from the BrownsvilleTexas.gov site. City passes resolution. This happened last year, by the way, uh, December 18th. So city passed a resolution in support of renaming area east of Brownsville to Starbase. So the Starbase area, about 20 miles away from Brownsville, it's about a 30-minute drive-ish. I've driven it hundreds of times, and it's known to most people in the spaceflight community as Starbase. And most people that are locally there, they know it as Boca Chica. So it does take a little bit of nudging from the local government and also uh, the state of Texas to rename this because there are things that happen behind the scenes that we don't see because we see the rocket all the time right? we see this giant rocket but this is it's important trust me the notice is hereby given that a regular meeting of the board of Cameron County Spaceport Development Corporation will be conducted as authorized by the VTCA Texas government code etc cetera, etc cetera. So basically what they're doing, uh, approve a resolution in support of the United States Postal Service mailing name, which I know it's not cool, like it's a post office thing, but the renaming the spaceport of Starbase to actual Starbase. It's a postal code now. So if you have one, two, three, four Starbase, that's your address now. One, two, three, four, Boca Chica. The man will probably still get there. They, they pretty much know what it is. There's not other things out there. So it's either going to be Starbase or Boca Chica. So that's interesting this ha that that is happening. But there's also a few other things that are happening along the lines of the Starbase facility itself. And the thing is massive. You know, there's a, a production facility 
that builds the rockets. And then there's a launch facility down the road about a mile-ish that flies the rockets. So what's in between there, though? There's just kind of dead space. There's really not much. There's a couple streaming platforms, uh, a couple YouTube streamers that sit on the side of the road and film. There's people that hang out there on the side of the road. And there's robot filmers all over the place. So what does SpaceX need to do? They need to get that land. They need to get that land. They make they need to make sure that all the land in between the production facility and the launch facility, they can use as much as possible, right? So if they can do that, if they can do that, they can build more parts of the machine that builds the machines that'll take us to Mars. Um, right here, state considers handing over parkland to SpaceX. Now, this is a big deal. This isn't just a let's hang out and build a couple rockets here and there kind of thing. This is a huge deal because this is going to uh, it's kind of kind of set off some alarms for environmental advocates down there. Um, but also SpaceX is going to be using this area to build the infrastructure that will be building the rockets even faster than they already do. And then they're going to have two launch pads there um, where the rock two rockets per day possibly could launch from Starbase, as it's been named now by the post office. So they can do that now. So all of these little green dots here, let me explain this to you. All these little green dots right here, these are whoop, these are places that are owned by the state right now. Little plots of land, these little ones right here, and this one right here. So this right here, that's where they launch the rockets from. And this little arrow right here that I just pointed to, this area right here is where they launch the rockets from. To uh, This is towards Brownsville this way. If you go that way, it's towards Brownsville, about 20 minutes, 30 minutes that way. But everything in between here, little plots of land, the state owns that land. So SpaceX can't use it for anything. Uh, they can't build there. They'll get in major trouble if they build there. All of those plots... They're owned by the state. Um, what are they from? There are people that own lots of land there. Little tiny lots of land. I actually thought about buying one of those lots because you could put up a robo camera and have a live stream of Starbase 24-7 if you have one of those lots. So you could buy one of these lots. There are lots over here as well that you can, you know, put a camera in. And, you know, there's there's other places over there that you could put a camera. But one of these lots is something that I was interested in. But it's kind of expensive to to buy these lots. Um, talk to a couple of people. It's very, it's a process. Let's just say that <laughs> it's a it's a pretty big process. But SpaceX would use this to move facilities over to these lots. And as you can see, there are a few of them, like this one right here. These are all clustered together, so they could build something there. They could build something in this cluster, something in this cluster. This butts right up against where they are right now. This cluster. Etc. So they could have little little things, little pockets where they could, I don't know, build fuel depots or something. I don't know what they're going to do there. Nobody really knows right now. They know they're going to develop it if they if this passes, and it has to go through the government of Texas in order to pass. Right. So the government of Texas has to pass this. They have to make sure that everything's up to code. But this is what's going to happen. SpaceX has all of this land up here, the Laguna land up here. It's like 44 acres of land. And all they want are those little plots down there, all these little green plots. And if they exchange these tiny green plots for like, I think it's 44 acres. If you look up here a little bit, it tells you how much it is. But if they exchange that and they see that there's a value, if the Laguna uh, has more value than the Boca Chica area, 
then the state, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission, um, they may be okay with this because if they can trade, this would be an even trade it, by the way, SpaceX would trade that giant chunk of land for those little plots throughout so they can develop more things. So this is going to be an ongoing story. This may not happen right away. Um, this is supposed to happen sometime um, a date uh, adopted and approved 25th uh, of January, 2024. And if they approve this, this is going to be happening in the next few days that they approve this land uh, trade here with SpaceX and the government of Texas. So if they can do this, it's 43 acres from Boca Chica SP, the exchange tract. Um, and then, so that's what SpaceX would be getting 43 acres. And they'd be giving them, giving the state 477 acres near the Laguna, 477 acres. So if you do the math, <laughs> that's an exponentially huger amount of numbers, 43 compared to 477. I think the government of Texas would be okay with them, you know, the wildlife refuge going back to them. Uh, but it also depends. There's so many other factors, though. Who's going to take care of this land now? Um, there, will they have to hire people to take care of this land now? The 477 acres was SpaceX taking care of this land before. Were they paying for it? Um, and is SpaceX just going to have that big cluster, like I was saying before, like this cluster of land um, near Starbase? That's it. That one strip of land, you know, uh, near the production facility, which is over here ish. And then all the way down to here, they would have little spots. And then they'd have all of this uh, to build their rockets at. There's a massive move in the U.S. towards electric vehicles or EVs. And the Biden-Harris administration has announced a substantial $623 million in grants. And this move is aimed at expanding the EV charging network across the nation, a step that promises to create numerous thousands of American jobs and ensure wider accessibility to EV charging facilities for the rest of us to drive EVs. Now, under President Biden's watch, EV sales have seen a dramatic increase, quadrupling in numbers. Publicly available charging ports have expanded by nearly 70%, with over 4 million EVs now cruising on American roads. This surge is largely attributed to the administration's historic investments, prompting private sector commitments exceeding $155 billion in the EV and battery supply chain. Now, the grants come from the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law's $2.5 billion charging and fueling infrastructure discretionary grant program. This program aims to fund EV charging and alternative fueling infrastructure projects in 22 states and Puerto Rico, including about 7,500 new EV charging ports. It's a part of a broader strategy to establish a reliable and high-speed EV charging network along most U.S. highways. Now, the U.S. Transportation Secretary, Pete Buttigieg, highlighted this historical significance of this move. He said, America led the arrival of the automotive era, and now we have a chance to lead the world in the EV revolution, securing jobs, savings, and benefits for Americans in the process. Now, this funding will focus on making EV chargers widely accessible and also dependable. Now, the Federal Highway Administration is allocating $311 million to 36 community projects including two Indian tribes in Alaska and also in Arizona. These projects concentrate on EV charging and hydrogen fueling infrastructure in various locations like schools, parks, and libraries, enhancing the accessibility in both urban and also rural communities. An additional $312 million is designated for 11 corridor projects situated along alternative fuel corridors. 
This funding is set to address gaps in the national charging and alternative fueling network, ensuring widespread availability along major roadways. And a significant aspect of these grants is their alignment with President Biden's Justice 40 initiative, aiming for 40% of the benefits from federal investments to reach disadvantaged communities. Notably, more than 70% of the CFI funding announced will support projects in these areas. U.S. Secretary of Energy Jennifer Granholm emphasized the inclusive nature of this initiative. Every community across the nation deserves access to convenient and reliable clean transportation, she stated. This initiative is a major step in reducing carbon emissions and addressing the climate crisis that we face. And the U.S. Transportation Deputy Secretary Polly Trottenberg highlighted the different needs for EV charging in communities compared to highways. They said, U.S. DOT is proud to make an investment that will provide Americans with convenient, straightforward charging options in their communities. And Federal Highway Administrator Shallon Batt expressed enthusiasm about the grants, too. They said, these investments to the CFI program will grow our national EV charging network, support President Biden's goals of achieving net zero emissions for the nation by 2050, and promote opportunity for all Americans to enjoy the benefits of EV charging. Now, the projects selected in this round of grants are diverse. For instance, the New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection receives $10 million to build EV charging stations in disadvantaged communities and rural areas, focusing on multifamily housing and transit stations. Maryland's Clean Energy Center is granted $15 million to establish 87 EV charging stations across the state, including at Coppin State University, an HBCU in Baltimore, and in 34 disadvantaged communities. This project includes workforce development programs aimed at providing good-paying jobs and apprenticeships. In Texas, a significant $70 million is allocated to the North Central Texas Council of Governments to establish a hydrogen fueling corridor, including up to five stations for medium and heavy-duty freight trucks in major cities like Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio. Now, California's Contra Costa County uh, receives about $15 million to build 52 fast-charging stations and 60 Level 2 chargers at various county library branches. Similarly, Energy Northwest in Washington State is funded to install 40 fast chargers and 12 Level 2 chargers, focusing on rural and disadvantaged communities. And the city of Mesa, Arizona, is another recipient, getting $12 million to build 48 electric vehicle chargers for various vehicle sizes, charging docks for e-bikes and e-scooters, and solar canopies for electricity generation at these stations. Now, all EV charges constructed with CFI funds must meet the same minimum standards as those funded by NEVI, including requirements that they are made in America. This ensures a consistent and high-quality charging experience across the nation. In the current U.S. landscape, it has over 148,000 public charging ports spread across approximately 56,000 charging stations. The ambitious goal is to triple these numbers by 2030, with the new grant money kickstarting this initiative. Now, this initiative reflects a transformative step in the U.S.'s approach to transportation. And by investing in EV infrastructure and focusing on accessibility, the Biden-Harris administration is responding to environmental concerns, but also fostering economic growth and equality. It's a significant move towards a cleaner, more inclusive future in the United States for transportation. A controversial proposal to swap land between SpaceX and the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has been withdrawn after sparking significant opposition. 
The deal involved exchanging 43 acres of Boca Chica State Park for 477 acres owned by SpaceX, but was met with criticism from local officials, residents, and environmental groups. Concerns were raised about the potential impact on the coastal ecosystem and the lack of transparency surrounding the plan. Now, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department's proposal was initially set to be voted on by commissioners, but was pulled from the agenda following backlash. Critics, including the Sierra Club, Lone Star Chapter, and Save RGB called for more public disclosure and discussion. The plan had attracted 1,039 comments opposing it and 263 in support. Mary Angela Branch, a board member of the Save RGV, voiced concerns about the deal, and she said that the unique ecosystem is at risk and the lack of public accountability is also a factor. She questioned the intended use of the land and the absence of environmental assessments comparing the two land types involved in the swap. Now, the state's rationale for wanting to land remained unclear, with officials stating the swap would enhance public access and recreation while allowing for the protection and management of diverse habitats. However, many questions about the specifics of the deal, including ownership of mineral rights and financial aspects, remained unanswered. Ownership of the 477 acres SpaceX was to exchange is also under scrutiny, with records suggesting it belongs to a SpaceX-affiliated entity, Baya Grande Holdings. Now, this has raised questions about the transparency of SpaceX's land acquisitions in this area of Boca Chica, Starbase, Texas. Now, the Sierra Club raised procedural concerns, too, suggesting that the Parks and Wildlife Department may have violated its own rules by not providing a 30-day public notice period of the vote. Now, this rush process and the potential loss of significant parkland in the lower Rio Grande area were of major points of contention. Local officials, including Cameron County Commissioner David Garza, expressed frustration over the proposal, noting that the county was already in the process of acquiring part of the land for conservation and recreation purposes. The sudden competition with SpaceX for the land was seen as counterproductive to local efforts. The broader context of SpaceX's activities in Boca Chica, including the construction and launch of its Starship Mega Rocket, has led to concerns about the cumulative environmental impact in that area. Critics argue that SpaceX's incremental approach to expansion in the area has avoided thorough environmental assessments. Now, this land swap proposal is viewed by some as another instance of local and state governments accommodating the ambitions of SpaceX CEO Elon Musk, with the potential to alter the character of the Boca Chica region significantly. The comparison to a strategic game of Monopoly, where Musk is seen as acquiring and trading properties to consolidate SpaceX's presence, was made by Branch. Now, the controversy over the land swap comes amid a broader discussion about the role of private companies like SpaceX and space exploration and their impact on local communities and environments, and the military's increasing reliance on commercial satellite communications, the military's increasing reliance on commercial satellite communications, including SpaceX's Starlink service. Now, Claire Hopper, who's the director of Commercial Satellite Communications Office, said that the military's use of Starlink and other satellite services to enhance communication capabilities is paramount for the Department of Defense. The shift towards low Earth orbit networks and new technologies shows that they are evolving. And the U.S. military is a new strategic partner of SpaceX and Starlink. The Defense Information Systems Agency launch of the proliferated low Earth orbit satellites base services contract is a move towards incorporating new satellite technologies into military operations. This initiative opens up opportunities for space companies to offer innovative services tailored to military requirements. 
SpaceX's Starlink service has become a key asset for various Department of Defense entities. Demonstrating the military's interest in leveraging commercial satellite networks for enhanced connectivity. The exploration of small geosynchronous satellites and direct-to-device communication shows that the military's interest in diversifying its satellite communications architecture is also what they're going to be doing in the near future. Starlink has a megastructure that will be surrounding the Earth, and these emerging technologies offer the potential for more resilient and flexible communication operations for military operations in the future. Now, the concept of hybrid multi-orbit satellite communication systems is gaining traction with the Department of Defense. Integrating services from different orbits and frequencies under a unified contract model could provide more efficient and cost-effective solutions for military communications of satellites. Our challenges in transitioning to new satellite communication systems and business models are very complex. The integration of technologies and the emerging satellite systems with existing military protocols and infrastructure could be a headache for both the military and SpaceX. It could take a little while. The pursuit of innovative contracting approaches aims to maximize the value and effectiveness of satellite communications for military users. And the continued collaboration between Commercial Satellite Communications Office and the Defense Information Systems Agency shows that SpaceX and the Department of Defense are working with intricate logistical and administrative processes involved in procuring and managing satellite communication services for the military. So Elon Musk has an AI venture, XAI, and he's planning to raise $6 billion, valuing the company at around $20 billion. Now, this is a direct challenge to OpenAI, which is the entity behind the popular ChatGPT. Now, Musk's global fundraising efforts are tapping into diverse sources too, from family offices in Hong Kong to sovereign wealth funds in the Middle East. The scale of this fundraising effort is noteworthy though, especially considering XAI's previous target of $1 billion as per SEC filings last month. And this leap to a $6 billion goal reflects the high stakes and intense competition in the AI sector now. Now, Musk's strategy involves reaching out to international investors, including those in Japan and South Korea. The involvement of Morgan Stanley as the coordinator links back to the bank's previous collaboration with Musk on the acquisition of the social media platform X, previously known as Twitter. Now, despite a recent denial from Musk regarding a $50 million funding milestone towards a $1 billion target, the buzz around XAI's fundraising efforts hasn't waned. Musk's vision for XAI includes developing safer AI technologies, a commitment stemming from his early involvement and subsequent departure from OpenAI. Now, the launch of Grok, XAI's chatbot, positions the company as a competitor to OpenAI's ChatGPT. And Musk's broader concerns about AI and robotics, particularly the need for significant voting control to steer Tesla towards AI leadership, highlight this intertwining nature of his ventures. The AI industry, buoyed by the popularity of technologies like ChatGPT, remains a dynamic field for investment right now, even in a generally subdued startup funding uh, climate. And other AI startups like Anthropic and Inflection AI have also successfully attracted significant funding recently. Musk's outreach to investors across different regions underscores the global interest in AI and potential geopolitical implications, especially with efforts to secure funding in places like Hong Kong amidst rising tensions between the U.S. and also China. And the ambitious fundraising target reflects the substantial resources required for developing generative AI, which demands 
extensive computer power, vast data sets, and advanced hardware. This need for heavy investment parallels the funding strategies of AI competitors like OpenAI, Anthropic, and others. And Musk's departure from OpenAI over disagreements highlights his distinct vision for XAI, emphasizing safety and censorship concerns in the AI domain. This has led to the creation of a chatbot that leverages social media content for more current responses. And the proposed valuation of XAI and the ongoing negotiations with potential investors indicate the high stakes and speculative nature of the AI market right now. The involvement of high-profile investors and the complex financial arrangements hint at the significant expectations placed on XAI. The potential and regulatory landscape, particularly the U.S. measures against Chinese advancements in AI, adds another layer of complexity to Musk's fundraising efforts, especially in regions like Hong Kong. Musk's vision for AI safety and governance, as evidenced by his statements and the strategic moves with Tesla, shows that there's broader challenges and responsibilities for AI as opposed to just letting it go wild. And the role of these major financial institutes like Morgan Stanley in coordinating such large-scale fundraising efforts points to this relationship between the tech industry and a financial industry and shaping the future of AI sort of like the dot-com bubble from the early, uh, late 1990s, early 2000s. And the comparison of XAI's valuation with that of OpenAI and other peers like Anthropic illustrates that the competitive landscape of the AI industry and the varying scales of ambition and investment, it's making this a key player if he gets the $6 billion out of this. Now, global fundraising through Musk involved diverse geopolitical regions. Um, it's an international interest in AI now. Everybody's involved. They want that money and the potential for cross-border collaborations and tensions in the tech sector could be real in the near future. Now there's skepticism and caution among potential investors and there's speculative nature of the AI industry. And there's challenges now with all this large scale funding and it's competitive and it's rapidly changing. So Elon wants to put this money to good use. He wants to buy the hardware to build the software so he can control the AI market. This isn't about uh, building a, uh, a competitive AI at this point. Elon Musk is a competitor, but he also likes to own things. That's why he bought X.com. That's why he bought Twitter. He likes to be in charge of things. And if he could get the billions of dollars that he's asking for, of course, he's going to put an AI team in place that will compete directly with ChatGPT and possibly put them out of business. Now, Musk's AI ambitions, including the potential impact on Tesla's AI strategy and the tech industry's approach to AI safety and regulation, remain important themes in the ongoing narrative around XAI. Now, we have to remember, Tesla already has AI in their vehicles. Uh, they use it to train their vehicles to drive with the FSD program. So Elon is using similar, similar tactics to that uh, with the XAI and the billions of dollars it is asking for this funding round. Hey, thank you so much for listening today. I really do appreciate your support. If you could take a second and hit this subscribe or the follow button on whatever podcast platform that you're listening on right now, I'd greatly appreciate it. It helps out the show tremendously and you'll never miss an episode. And each episode is about 10 minutes or less. 
to get you caught up quickly. And please, if you want to support the show even more, go to patreon.com slash stage zero. And please take care of yourselves and each other. And I'll see you tomorrow.